I invite you to remain standing a moment longer for this morning's reading from the Gospel. I'll be reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter, verses 15 through 17, followed by verses 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased." This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There is much in those few verses for us to talk about, especially on this uh, day uh, that we call Baptism of the Lord Day. Uh, There is so much that we cannot imagine that we could try to cover everything, so I'm going to try to highlight a few of the things uh, and uh, talk uh, about uh, our baptism, if you will. Yesterday, if you didn't pick up on my earlier comment, I went over to the the United Methodist camp at Lake Bridgeport, a great place over there, lots of memories, lots of lives transformed over there, uh, mine included, uh, from back a number of years ago. Uh, our confirmands are at their confirmation retreat, a weekend opportunity to uh, not only come together with other United Methodist young people and, and experience connectionalism in that sense, uh, but to hear from various uh, theologians, most of them pastors of churches, teaching uh, assigned parts of uh, the curriculum in confirmation so that our young people have an idea and understanding of what it might be Uh, what it might mean uh, for a changed life as they profess their faith in Christ. So a a fantastic opportunity. Uh, I had the opportunity yesterday afternoon to sit in some of the classes and listen to some of uh, those pastors and theologians trying to help those uh, uh, 11, 12, 13-year-old and sometimes a little bit older students uh, to to have some basic understanding to grasp uh, their, their faith journey. Uh, And as I was sitting in on the sacrament uh, class, uh, the pastor spent quite a bit of time talking about Holy Communion. And and yes, he did cover baptism, and and I think he did uh, a good job doing that, but far more time and far more question and answer from the students about Holy Communion. And I got to thinking, well, you know, maybe uh, part of that is because uh, we more often uh, celebrate communion than we celebrate a baptism. When you think back to the days of John the Baptist when hordes of people were coming out of Jerusalem and from all Judea coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, uh, we didn't have a Christian church. Uh, uh, Jesus uh, was not yet about his ministry. Uh, And so these folks were coming out for what would have been termed a, a, a Jewish baptism. They were coming out to be made ritually clean, having their sins washed away in the... In, in the Jordan River, the waters of the Jordan River. 
Uh, so, you know, later we, we see, especially in the story today, all Luke says is after Jesus had been baptized. He was praying, uh, and, and from the heavens, the heavens opened up, and, and in bodily form, now this is interesting, I, I really encourage everyone to go and to look at the differing accounts of Jesus' baptism. The three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's something different about the experience in all three of those gospels. They all agree that Jesus was baptized, and even in John's gospel, he does a really great job of showing the Trinitarian presence uh, of God at the baptism. But in Luke's gospel, the, the concentration seems to be on uh, uh, Jesus praying, heaven opens, dove, the Holy Spirit in bodily form, coming down on Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is then going to embark on his ministry after this voice from heaven says, you. He doesn't say in, in Luke's gospel, he doesn't say this so that everybody can hear. In Luke's gospel, he says, you. He's talking to Jesus as if nobody else is listening. He is the voice, the Father from heaven. You are my son. My mark is on you. And so we have the Trinitarian presence here, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all active in Luke's gospel. I think what I'm about to say uh, needs a little bit of, of setup, if you will. A thousand years before what I read to you just a moment ago, a thousand years before John the Baptist is in the Jordan River baptizing, the people who saw themselves as God's people, uh, the Jews, David had become their king about a thousand BC. And, and God's promise was on David. They were told that, that from David's household a king would come. Well, it didn't take very long for the people to, to not act righteously, and, and seemingly that promise kind of got on rocks. You see, after Solomon, David's son, passes away in 922, roughly BC. The next successor to the throne in the northern kingdom, the Judahite who was supposed to ascend to the throne was rejected and the people who would later be known as the Sumerians elected a non-Judahite descendant of David. So the, there was an interruption, if you will. God's promise seemed to be forgotten by some, but not by many. So a thousand years later, when John is, is prophesying about a coming king, a descendant, from David's throne, Jesus begins to fit that picture for some people. When people begin to do the background research on who Jesus is, he begins to fit that, that profile of a descendant from David's throne, that original promise of God. So John is baptizing uh, in the Jordan River. Our baptism is not often in a, in a river. More often than not, most of us will say we were baptized in the sanctity, the sacred space of a, of a sanctuary, whether it was this one or another church, whether it was in the Methodist church or the Catholic church or the Baptist church or whatever tradition we may have grown up in. Most of us will say our baptism was not out in the wilderness kind of setting of John the Baptist. It was not in the local river or a swimming pool. It was usually in the worship space that we are accustomed to. But we don't do it as much as was going on over the years when the church was fledgling. There are many more Christians today, and the rush to be baptized is not as great, seemingly, as it is or was back then. Now, if we go to other countries, per se on the African continent, 
we will see greater numbers of people being baptized into the Christian faith because it's an inbreaking faith in many areas of the world. But here in our neck of the woods, Christianity is taken for granted quite often. And I think some people suggest in these words of Scripture from today where we hear this winnowing fork. When was the last time you picked up your winnowing fork? Does anybody even know what a winnowing fork is? If you've worked the fields, right, you're going to say, oh yeah, pastor, I know what a winnowing fork is. Most of us have no clue. It's a harvesting tool. And so some people will say, look, what, what the writer of Luke is talking about is that, uh, you know, there's going to be some separation. The good wheat is going into, into God's storehouse. And the chaff, the leftover stuff that's a result of winnowing with that fork, it's going to be burned. There's going to be some separation. So some people suggest that, that yes, baptism matters. Jesus did it. There's going to be separation. If you haven't been baptized, if you're not a person of the faith... You're going to be separated out. And other people say this is more about God's love. And that's why baptism matters. Bishop Will Willman, he's now retired, he's a United Methodist bishop, told a story uh, about being invited to a small rural church. And the reason he was invited to this rural church was there was a 12-year-old boy who wanted to be baptized. And this young boy uh, knew that United Methodists will accommodate requests for baptism beyond sprinkling. In other words, we embrace immersion and we embrace pouring. So as United Methodists, we sprinkle, pour, or immerse. If you want to have a baptism of pouring or immersion, it takes some work. We don't have a font that someone can be immersed in. Well, Bishop Willman was invited to this small church out in the country because this 12-year-old boy wanted to be immersed. The pastor thought the bishop might want to be present to witness this very special baptism for a 12-year-old boy. He showed up, and the pastor and the little 12-year-old boy were waiting on the steps of the church. The boy, Bishop Wilman recounts, the boy kind of looked him over. Bishop Wilman is smaller in stature. Looked him over and kind of made an assessment of this bishop who was coming to baptize him. And the one thing that he asked Bishop Wilman on the steps there, he goes, do I have to take my socks off? Well, Bishop Wilman who didn't have the answer to that, he goes, well, I don't think you have to. He wasn't real sure about that. But he said, let's go and walk through this. So they went downstairs. The church had set up a baptismal font in the fellowship hall. And so they, they said, this is what will happen. I'll, I'll lead you up the steps into the, into the font, and, and this is how it will go. And, and they went to church, and they sang. They sang songs of baptism and faith, and they praised God. And it was time for the congregation to get up from the sanctuary and go into the fellowship hall to watch this 12-year-old boy uh, give himself to Christ. And, and as the boy stood up on the steps before getting into the, into the pond, the bishop said, Son, do you have anything you want to say to, this, to these folks? And he said, Yes. He said, I want you all to know that you mean everything to me. You see, when my parents decided to divorce, you were there for me. You kept telling me stories of Jesus. You encouraged me. You prayed for me. And my baptism today is a commitment that I want to live like Jesus. And it's a thank you to you for what you did. Bishop Wilman, who's a character, he tells jokes. He said he was weeping by this point as he led this boy into the baptismal waters. A 12-year-old got it. You see, friends, baptism does matter. I'm reminded of, a, of another story. Uh, ben Helmer, an Episcopal priest 
tells. He said one day a man, a 55-year-old man, came to his congregation and he said, Father, what do I have to do to be baptized? And, and, and the Episcopal priest said, look, in our tradition, we, ask a, a, we have a bishop present at baptism. So we've got an Episcopal story now. We had a Methodist story, bishops being involved. Folks, it doesn't have to always have a bishop. But in the Episcopal tradition, they had the, the, the bishop come. And as the man was, was uh, being baptized, uh, the, the, the priest took anointing oil and made, this is called chrism, made the mark of the cross with that anointing oil on the man's head. And the bishop said, you are anointed and sealed forever as a child of God. You know that 55-year-old man didn't say, well, I want to go to a foreign country and be a missionary. He, he, you know what he did, though? Baptism mattered. He became a changing person. He was the first person to say, I'll feed people on Christmas Day because I can have celebration with my family on the day before or the day after. I want people to know that they are loved. And that 55-year-old man began to change others' lives because he knew how important baptism is. Friends, baptism is about being part of a family, a Christian family. It matters that we raise children up in church. It matters... The, the point of the winnowing fork, some people say that's a separation. Others say it should remind us that baptism shouldn't be taken lightly. A lot of people think once I'm baptized, I'm good. I'll see Jesus for the rest of my life. And other people will say that's cheap grace. The child of Abraham who thinks I'm in because my ancestor was Abraham, the father of faith, that's a cheap way of seeing God. Friends, baptism matters. There's another story told by a Catholic priest, Tommy Lane. In Tommy Lane's first year in seminaries, he was being taught about baptism, the rubrics of baptism in the Catholic Church. The, the instructor said, baptism changes people's lives. Tommy Lane wondered how. And then uh, on uh, the end of 1989, in December of 1989, Tommy Lane heard that Mikhail Gorbachev had decided to tear down the Berlin Wall. Mikhail Gorbachev was secretly baptized by his mother. Had a Russian Orthodox priest baptize him as a child secretly because it was a communist country. The Soviet Union did not like Christianity. The church had been forced into secrecy. And Mikhail Gorbachev's mother put a icon, a picture of Jesus in every room of Mikhail Gorbachev's house so that he could see Jesus. Mikhail Gorbachev's father, who was a staunch communist, put a picture of Joseph Stalin beside every one of those icons of Jesus in that house. Tommy Lane wondered, did baptism matter finally to Mikhail Gorbachev when the walls of communism became tumbling down? He doesn't know for sure. But he does know that Mikhail Gorbachev was baptized. And he does know that within a month of that wall coming down, the Pope invited Mikhail Gorbachev to the Vatican. And for 70 minutes, those two men had a conversation. Communism isn't eradicated. Somebody like Vladimir Putin is out there. Do you know Vladimir Putin has been baptized in the Russian Orthodox Church and still goes to major celebrations in the church? Mikhail, 
Vladimir Putin is not a saint. He clearly seems to lead his people into some very questionable practices. But maybe baptism matters and maybe one day even someone like Putin will experience the love of God in full ways so that we can be people of peace. Reverend Stephen Montgomery told a story about a young woman wanting to be married. She came to his church looking for the, the beautiful sanctuary, the place where everybody seeks to be married. She went around town looking at various churches. You know where this young woman wound up getting married? They say it was an old straight kind of sanctuary, cinder block walls, a few felt banners left over from the 1970s and 80s, the old confirmation kind of banners we used to make. They asked her, why did you choose that church? She said, after all the looking, that was the church I grew up in. That's where I was confirmed. That's where I was baptized. That church has meaning for me. Friends, baptism matters. Baptism matters. It's because God is at work in baptism. God's grace accepts everybody. One final quick story. They say Sam Houston. Remember Sam Houston, Texas history? Sam Houston, after living kind of a racy life, did a lot of things, didn't he? Helped us get our independence from Mexico. Was president of the First Republic of Texas. Did some really great things, but they say Sam Houston had led a sordid life. Did some pretty nasty things to get all these accomplishments apparently done. But late in life, Sam Houston decided to be baptized. And as the pastor had old Sam down there at the river, and after Sam, or as he's about to baptize Sam, the pastor said, Sam, now you know this is going to wash away your sins. You know what they say Sam Houston's response was? God help the fish. <laughs> Friends, baptism matters. I hope it matters to you. I hope you can remember in the reaffirmation of your baptismal vows that, that either you took them years ago and perhaps that's a fleeting memory or someone made those vows on your behalf or maybe you were just baptized yesterday. Baptism is meant to matter. And we are meant to be a people sent out into the world to invite others to this life of grace that God has for us. So as we prepare to come to the baptismal waters, prepare yourself and let the power of the Holy Spirit take you back to those times when, when you were baptized. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.